This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. The biggest strike in the country entered its fifth week. We're talking about the University of California grad student employees, 36,000 teaching assistants and research assistants. For comment and analysis, we turn once again to Nelson Lichtenstein. He teaches history at UC Santa Barbara, where he directs the Center for the Study of Work, Labor, and Democracy. He's the author of 16 books, including the definitive history of the United Auto Workers, titled Walter Ruther, The Most Dangerous Man in Detroit. He also writes for the New York Times, the LA Times, Descent, and The Guardian. We reached him today in Santa Barbara. Nelson Lichtenstein, welcome back. Great to be here. Well, the latest news, the postdocs and the academic researchers voted last week to accept the university's offer to their local, which is separate from the teaching assistants. They accepted a $12,000 raise in the coming year. There are 12,000 of them. There are 36,000 still on strike. The new contract won overwhelming support. 90% of the postdocs, 80% of the academic researchers voted for it. They're going to go back to work on Monday. What's in this deal? The, the postdocs got a better deal, a 20 or 23% uh, uh, increase right away. Now, what that means really is, just to put that in context, it means the last time they had a they, they, they finished their contract, which was in September of, of 2021, they'll get this big increase as of, I think it's as of September of 23. So over two years, they're getting, you know, 20%. Well, that's good. That's good. It's better than inflation. And then and then after that, much smaller increases, and it lasts for five years. The problem with five years in this inflationary environment is we don't know what's going to happen. There was a letter on my campus at University of California, Santa Barbara, from, from a, over 100 very distinguished uh, scientists complaining to the university, wait a minute, You've just given them a wage increase, but we're paying for it. And that means what that means is that out of their grants, they can have fewer, you know, uh, postdocs or, you know, et cetera. I think that was one reason they could they were were generous with the postdocs, because essentially the federal government was paying for most of it. Then the academic researchers, these are a group we don't we don't know much about. They they they're permanent employees of the university or relatively permanent, who are, you know, in again, mainly in the labs or other places of that sort. Uh, and there, they their wage increase was 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 in parallel to what the faculty would get. That is, you know, I, I think it's four and a half or percent again over every year, over five years. It'll amount to a, you know, a hopefully keeping up with inflation, but it's not a um it's not a, it's not a transformative contract. And that that was sort of what the, the strike was about. We don't want just an ordinary wage increase. We want something that will transform the meaning of work. But one of the things that the academic researchers got, and I suspect this was something they really wanted, they can be principal investigators. That means they can write grants, they can get grants from their point of view. Many of them are, are PhDs. They also are, are, are minimum hiring for two years rather than one, and I think that's very important too. So, I mean, it's not a, it's not nothing to to shout to the heavens about, but they got a considered a, a good contract. It will it will probably keep up with inflation, maybe a little bit more, and I think for the postdocs, it's actually even better. And then there are thirty six thousand workers who are still on strike. Mostly, right. these are the teaching assistants, and they're big. There's big news about them too. 
It's a crucial moment for the university. It's final exams week. Finals are not being graded. Something like 37,000 grades are not going to be turned in next week. The UC administration made what it said was its final offer last week. The union did not accept it. But then the UAW agreed to mediation. And the mediator is going to be the mayor of Sacramento, Daryl Steinberg. What exactly does this mean, and and how did it go over with the rank and file? The UAW uh, negotiators, who had been resisting mediation for a while, for quite a while, the UC had wanted it. They they sort of accepted it. It's kind of a hiatus right now. Uh, the, you know. Uh, I think they're fine. That this is finals week, and and there, uh, there are no picket lines, and and then, well, the strike will resume in 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 January. But let me say two things. Daryl Steinberg, he was actually suggested by the governor, according to the news reports. Steinberg was the uh, head, I believe, of the uh, uh, the the California Senate uh, before he became the uh, mayor of Sacramento. He has just he just finished mediating a long. And pretty bitter strike uh, by the National Union of Healthcare Workers against Kaiser, which had gone on for many weeks in the fall. And he came in and they did resolve that and the union seemed satisfied. Now, to the degree that uh, Steinberg is there, it, okay, this is a state issue now. This is you know, not just a, 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 in, in the UC's sandbox. And, and, and I think the issue then of okay, is there going to be more money for the university from the legislature? That is at least put a little bit more on the agenda, and I think it has to go on the agenda. So probably a good thing that Steinberg is the, is the mediator. He's not some routine kind of uh, figure, uh, but, but he's a major figure. How does mediation work? Is it mandatory? Uh, it's not. That's right. It is not. The strike can go on during mediation. It's not arbitration. Uh, he he, they, he can't just sort of have a dictate. That's correct. It 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 in theory it it, it might, might not mean anything. And UC has been playing a pretty hard line. And the graduate students, the teaching assistants, tutors, and readers, there's a unquestionably a very militant element among them who want to continue the strike, and that means withholding grades, and and that that could, that could continue happening well into the next next quarter. Uh, I mean, I think it's no secret that there, there's kind of a division among the uh, uh, these graduate students between, uh, well, for lack of a better word, a, a somewhat more militant faction and those who are, you know, looking looking for a good deal, looking for a good contract, but not, not really sort of willing to go to the, you know, <laughs> to go all the way, you know, for it. Meanwhile, this week, the UC administration has been talking about, I don't know if it's happened yet, sending yeah. out these attestation notices that require all teaching assistants and faculty to state whether they are on strike or supporting the strike. And this presumably would lead to their pay being docked. On the one hand, it's definitely an intimidation tactic. On the other hand, they waited until week five to do this. Uh, and I really wonder whether the university has the, the capability, the staffing, to change the employment status of more than 10,000 people. I mean, they have a hard time just getting the paperwork right when you go on leave or something like that. So it seems unlikely they're going to be able to follow through with this, but it's definitely they're escalating their tactics here. 
Yes, I think you're right, John. I, I think they, they, it was clearly a, a gambit at intimidation. I, I don't think this one particularly will work. I think basically people will just not not respond in one way in one way or another, and I believe it may even be illegal um, violation of the of the California labor law uh, to, to 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 do uh, do that until after the strike is over. In, in any event, I, I don't think that's going to go very far. But what I think the the UC did was the UC UC okay, we've got our budget. Here, human resources, you guys uh, negotiate this, but you know you, you you're locked into this the framework, and that's part of the reason for the hard the hard line that that UC negotiators are 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 in. They 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 feel the constraint, but in fact, there's you know you have to get out of that box and get more money again from the legislature with the backing of the governor, and and we do have a more favorable political situation in California anyway, where that would be possible, and and the and in fact the strikers and the the union is now you know making. Uh, they're having demonstrations in Sacramento, and they're making this clear that this is not just a, a UC, uh, internal UC event. Last week, uh, you and I talked about the need to escalate the tactics beyond picket lines on campuses. There have been some pretty impressive demonstrations. There's a big one coming up on Wednesday. You and I are speaking on yeah. Tuesday when the regents will meet on the UCLA campus, and I'm sure that thousands of protesters yeah. will show up outside that one. Uh, the union has had picket lines outside the offices of some of the regents here in L.A. The LAPD arrested 10 people on December 7th on dress trespassing charges. They were rallying inside the headquarters of the David Geffen Company, one of our billionaire liberals in California. The CEO of the David Geffen Company is uh, UC Regent Richard Sherman, and they called the cops uh, and had people arrested. There were more than 100 strikers demonstrating outside a dinner party at the home of UC President Michael Drake on December 7th, singing songs and pounding on drums. And at my campus, UC Irvine, a flotilla of strikers in kayaks paddled out in Newport Bay to the private island of megadonor Donald Bryn, and they shouted, Donald Bryn, the University of California took your millions and bought mansions for the higher ups while teaching assistants slept in their cars, close quote. So the direct action faction is shown some life in the last week. Yeah, yeah, Tim, I want to make this point. I think it's it's not just a question of militancy, or, you know, getting arrested, that kind of thing. That's that's sometimes, yeah, that's fine. I mean, you, you, we, good, civil disobedience is, has its place and, and for sure. But when I when I, I think about upping the upping the uh, the ante, it's it's a question of bringing in other players into this fight, into this contest who should be there. The regents, you know, for one, I mean, they, they you know, in theory, and, and there are, you know, some regents who are who are liberals or you know they don't want the, they don't want the UC to be to be a, a kind of a poster child for disruption and then of course the legislature and the governor and you know that 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 kind of thing and i think they're they're part they're players in this in this fight as well but and that's why this is an important strike it's not just something that can be resolved within the the, the context of the of traditional UC labor relations it, it's it's beyond that i think robert reich economist who's on the faculty at berkeley wrote just today quote the UC strike is not just an effort to raise thousands of academic workers out of near poverty. It's a movement whose success requires a reversal of the austerity that has subverted public education across America, close quote. And if we look at the history of all this, really it goes back to 
Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor in 2005 who persuaded the university at that point to agree to this new idea that higher education should become a private good that students would purchase because they would gain earning power from it instead of viewing it as a public good provided by the people of California to all of its citizens. And that is the issue that the strikers have have put before the people here. Right, and it's, it's true, it's, you see in other places as well. I mean, here's the, the in, in the 1960s, after Clark Kerr put forward the, the master plan for you know, having the multi-campus University of California, which is, which is a, great, a great institution, uh, 50% of the funding for the university came from the state legislature, you know, out of the general tax revenues. Today, it's somewhere just above 10%. I mean, you know, so we've had that incredible decline. What that means, of course, is that, the UC has to well raise tuition. That's one thing that that happened actually under under Reagan, but also that it, it distorts what the university is to doing. You you end up scrambling for grants and stuff from various private philanthropies and and uh, trying to make the medical centers work, you know, and make money, etc. So it it you know we need to return to to a situation where the public universities are in fact funded by the public, and of course also the, they're they're bigger they're central to the economy and therefore the people who work in them they should be not just contingent kind of workers not not glorified uber drivers but you know regular employees who can have a life nelson lichtenstein university of california labor historian and activist nelson thanks for talking with us today you're welcome You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.